Just when you thought things couldn't get any more alarming in Ukraine, this evening they did. The Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, the largest of its kind in Europe, was reportedly on fire after attacks by Russian troops, the mayor of the nearby town of Ernogodar said. Just to give you some context, that is the largest um, nuclear power plant in Europe. Uh, it certainly is the largest in Ukraine. Now, tonight, the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Org- Association, says there's been no change in reported radiation levels at the power plant site. Still, it's being reported as a shockingly reckless and violation of multiple agreements. The member states of the IAEA, IAEA rather, unanimously agreed years ago that attacking a nuclear power plant quote, constitutes a violation of the principles of the United Nations Charter, international law, and the statutes of the agency. That according to Director General Raphael Grossi. Just to point out, uh, for some context here, so the Zaporizhia nuclear power station is in Erdogodar, as I said. It's the largest plant in Europe, among the 10 largest in the world. It generates nearly half of the country's electricity derived from nuclear power and more than a fifth of the total electricity generated in the entire country. Six reactors there total. The first five were brought on between 85 and 89, 1985 and 1989. And the sixth was added in 1995. So again, tonight reports that Russian troops had fired artillery on the actual nuclear power plant. Uh, There were reports of fire in one facility, a fire in one facility, one that was not being used right now. uh, And also that those trying to fight the fire were being prevented from doing so because of ongoing fighting. Well, let's try and clarify all of this. It's still uh, being reported as we speak. Uh, There has been uh, pleas from the Ukrainians in particular um, saying to stop. (laughs) Obviously, Ukraine's foreign minister, Dmitry Kuluba, said on Twitter that Russian forces were firing on all sides. And he warned that an explosion there would be 10 times larger than Chernobyl and called on the Russians to establish a security zone and allow firefighters through to the plant. Joining me now is M.V. Ramana. He's a professor at Simon's Chair in Disarmament, Global and Human Security at UBC's School of Public Policy and Global Affairs. He also studies the risks and consequences of nuclear weapons and accidents at nuclear reactors. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you. I should put that back into context. So we saw lots of reports and some images of a fire at this massive Zaporizhia nuclear power station. Um, just your first reaction to, to seeing those images. So my first reaction is one of shock. Uh, this is not something we have ever envisioned seriously. Um, there have been uh, attacks in the past on uh, nuclear reactors. Um, for example, the uh, Israeli attack on Iraq's Osirak plant. Uh, but those were really small reactors uh, and uh, meant for trying to produce, uh, you know, for research reactors. This is a large nuclear plant. As you rightly mentioned, it is producing a very substantial fraction of Ukraine's nuclear uh, electricity in general. And uh, we've never seen anything of this sort, a deliberate attack on a nuclear plant clearly intended to do to damage it. So I'm very shocked. I mean, right now, we know, we've know we heard from the IAEA that there are no reports of elevated ra- radiation in the area. I guess that would be a good early sign, at least. Yes and no. So there are two uh, aspects to think about here. One is that, uh, you know, when a nuclear reactor is operating uh, and uh, 
for whatever reason there is an attack that just breaches the containment, breaches the all the all of the protective um, uh, layers uh, in, uh, outside the reactor core, then you could imagine a huge uh, uh, explosion, sort of like what happened in Chernobyl. But that's not, I think, the more likely scenario. Uh, the more likely, uh, or the the concern is about a scenario that's much more likely, which is that. Even if the reactor is shut down, uh, the the fuel rods, which are producing all the energy inside a nuclear power plant, the fuel rods have to be cooled. Uh, and that's because even if the reactor is shut down, the radioactive uh, fission products, which are sitting inside those fuel rods, are continuously emitting radiation. And it will heat up the, the fuel and this is why in even in regular nuclear plants, after the fuel has been uh, inside the reactor after a while, it is taken out when it ceases to be able to generate enough uh, fission reactions. And it is kept under water for it to cool down. Right? Uh, the, uh, the, in, a, in an actual operating reactor, there is no water except, to, except what is used to take the heat away from there and drive a, a turbine. Now, for whatever reason, if that uh, the power to keep pushing the water through the reactor uh, fails, then there'll be no way to cool the fuel that is inside the reactor. And this can happen because unlike uh, other power plants, a nuclear plant actually is dependent on other sources of power to be able to drive that coolant through the reactor. And uh, that, in, in such an attack, there's a danger that we might lose cooling. I mean, I mean, I think once we've seen, even when you shut it down, uh, as you mentioned, it needs to be continuously cooled. Was that not what we saw in Fukushima? Exactly. So in the Fukushima case, the reactors were shut down in the sense that they stopped generating electricity as soon as the earthquake hit the plant. Uh, but uh, the subsequent tsunami basically was when the plant lost cooling because the, uh, the external source of power were cut down due to the earthquake. Uh, external source of power, meaning the electrical grid, and then the internal source of cooling were diesel generators, which got flooded by the tsunami. Now, in this case, the ana analogy would be that, you know, in, in principle, my own guess is that the reason Russia is even uh, attacking, Russian forces are attacking this plant, is to try and destabilize the Ukrainian grid. If some of these nuclear reactors were to be shut down, then the grid might become unstable and might crash. And that may be something that the Russians want to have see happen. And if that happens and there's an attack that actually uh, damages the diesel generators in the plant, then there'll be no way to cool the spent fuel. And that will, that's a scenario that will take a few days to develop. So this is why when you say that there is no higher levels of radiation right now, that itself is not sufficient to, uh, to conclude that the danger is not there. Now, I know that these plants are built to withstand a certain amount of attack, uh, obviously. Uh, is it possible that the plants themselves are, are fairly, that fairly well protected? Yes and no. I mean, uh, you know, as you said, the, the, they can protect themselves against a, a, a missile or something trying to go into the reactor and do something there. But there are two issues. One is the loss of cooling that I was just describing that's a much harder thing to protect against. All you can do is to try and keep duplicate or redundant sources of cooling. That's why nuclear plants in any case have diesel generators. But 
it is quite possible that the same event that leads to all of these problems can uh, can destroy those sources of cooling as well, right? Uh, so that's one issue. The second is there's also another source of radioactivity, uh, potential radioactive release. That's the uh, the fuel ponds the, where the spent fuel is stored, and if for whatever reason the water in those pools were to drain away either completely or partially, that could also result in the the temperature of the uh, the spent fuel that has been removed from the reactor uh, uh, sort of going up and eventually that melts or uh, catches on fire. And right. these, uh, this spent fuel is stored not inside the reactor containment building typically, but in other structures. And that was another thing we saw in the case of Fukushima, where there was a near uh, accident of that sort. Now, we don't know exactly what's happening. We don't want to be overly alarmist, obviously. Um, Absolutely. Clearly, this is something that is that is dangerous, <laughs> to yes. say the very least. The other thing I was really curious about is that if staff can't work at the plant because they're under attack and they have mm -hmm. to leave, these aren't really the sorts of facilities you can just sort of, you can't walk away safe, so to speak. No, you cannot. Exactly. This is where the requirement for continuous cooling comes in, Right. Uh, and staff literally cannot walk away from there. Yes. And if so the Russians yeah. prevent people from going in or uh, try to force the people who are going, uh, who are inside there and force them to leave, then that's definitely a bad situation. Uh, Professor Romano, what would you be looking for now in the next 24 hours as far as, I mean, it, we understand the fighting continues, but that is not confirmed. We don't know exactly what's happening in Zaporizhia right, right now. Uh, right. But what will you be looking for in the next 24 hours? I hope that the, you know, the fighting stops and Russia ceases, the, uh, the Russian forces cease to continue this attack and allow the plant operators to maintain the plant in the safest possible way. Because, I mean, let's be honest, this is not far from the Russian border. So any sort of accident at that plant would have you know, widespread, obviously, impacts. We remember Chernobyl in 1986. Yes. We are certainly remember Fukushima in 2011 and Three Mile Island many, many years ago in 79. Uh, but this would have an impact on Russia as well. So it seems uh, it's hard to describe what, what the intent would be. I mean, that's you right. guessed earlier, but yeah. yeah that's, that's definitely true. Uh, you know, it is possible that, you know, uh, the kind of delusions that might be driving Putin are letting him imagine that the radioactivity would not be blown towards Russia, but away from Russia and maybe into EU or something of that sort. Who knows what's going on in his mind? Right. So in the next 24 hours, what, what should we be looking out for? The fighting should stop, but is there anything on the ground? I mean, obviously the, I, the International Atomic Energy Agency are in close contact with officials at the plant. They're in close contact with the Ukrainian government. Uh, I think what they're asking for now is, is, is a clear path to allow all kinds of security staff to get in there and make sure everything's okay. That's right. Yes, I think that's what we would like to see. And I would like to, I hope to hear from officials at the plant uh, saying that everything is under control. That's what I would really be looking for. I'll just share with you what the IAEA had tweeted in the last little while. Uh, they were aware of reports of shelling in Zaporizhia. They were in contact with Ukrainian authority, authorities about the situation. Um, 
The Director General Rafael Grossi spoke with Ukraine's PM Denis Shmigel and with the Ukrainian nuclear regulator and operator about the serious situation at the plant. Appeals for halt of use of force and warns of severe danger if reactors hit. And again, uh, the regulator telling the IAEA that there's been no change in reported uh, radiation levels uh, at the plant itself. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that yeah. there is no radiation levels reported at this plant, but I don't think that's at this point sufficient to be uh, uh, completely calm about this. All right. Uh, MV Romana, thank you so much for your insight on this tonight uh, on this breaking news story. Thank, thank you very much. And let's all hope for the best.